0: Welcome to the Critical Media Studies podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Rapici and Barry Falk.
1: Hello, Michael. How are you doing tonight?
0: Hey, Barry. I'm good. How are you?
1: (laughs) I'm doing well. Um, Good to see you. And um, we're—I know you have an exciting thing to listen to uh, announce to our uh, listeners and viewers and whatever. Whatever they, I, d- I do
0: I do and I I just uh I want to say the um the website is back online it's up it's functional uh and we'd love to hear from you guys um so if if you're interested um it's at www.criticalmediastudiespodcast.com uh from the website you can listen to the podcast you can also uh, search for any and all episodes. And again, listen to them directly from the, po- uh, from the website. So that's easy. Um, you can see what we look like. There's pictures of us on there. Um, there's also, I think most importantly, what we're, what I'm most excited about is, um, there's a contact form there. So, um, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you have questions, requests, thoughts, um, yeah, it's all there. So yeah, we
1: would we would dearly love to hear um, suggestions about
0: you know where we've been and where you think we should be headed. Absolutely, and any commentary on you know on 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 where we are is 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 okay, fun as well. Too. But uh, yeah. speaking speaking of where we are, uh, this is um this is an exciting evening. We are um, about to talk about something that I'm quite frankly shocked has taken us this, this long to get to. So Barry, okay. I'm going to. Uh, well, turn, I'll, turn it to you. Uh,
1: and I'll say just a couple words about Marshall McLuhan and Quentin Fior's collaborative text, The Medium is a Massage, published in 1967. And I'll say just a little bit uh, before I throw it back to Dr. Rapici, I'll just say a little bit about where this fits um, in, the canon, in the McLuhan uh, body of work. So the first thing to say is that Title is a pun. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, the title of the book is The Medium is the M A S S A G E. So the medium is the massage, but the visual pun at least um, might be that the medium is the mass age. But originally, a couple of years earlier, I think 1964, Marshall McLuhan opened his really his first major work of media studies, and one of the very also kind of one of the premier texts of media studies, called "Understanding Media: The Extensions of Man, the Extensions of the Human." And indeed, it, it this as a subtitle suggests, and this is an idea also presented and elaborated and visually portrayed in the later book. Um, crucial point. A crucial argument in McLuhan is that media is a prosthesis. Media is something that acts, um, that is, that aims to be, and in fact extends, uh, um, is meant to be an extension of the human sensorium, of the human body. And, in, and that's working on almost every possible level, that idea of extension, media as an extension, or at some points, an acceleration of either human personality or human personality traits, or a quite literal extension of the sensorium of the body. Okay, I'm stumbling all over myself and talking about the title, but l- let me go back to a couple of years uh, earlier to understanding media. So. Um, the, we have the same words uh, without the pun, uh, they, they serve to title, uh, it's the name of chapter one, part one in the introduction to introducing media, um, understanding media rather the title of that section is the medium is the message. Uh, and in the difference in that slight, but also very significant difference between, The medium is the message. uh, And the medium is the massage, this later uh, collaborative production, full of photo images and photographs. And um, so it's not just a text, it's it's also an interesting avant-garde sort of collage of words and images. And the difference between just the title phrase you get a sense of the vast difference between understanding media in 1964 and the medium is the mass age or massage in 1967. So what's happened in between? Well, the big story in terms of McLuhan is he hasn't really changed his ideas, but his ideas in the interim between 1964 and 1967, his ideas are picked up. They, They are starting to circulate outside of the academy. They're starting to get television, uh, starting to get a television in newspapers, but also in television. He makes more and more television appearances. And that basically there's so there are commercial reasons behind the medium as the massage, as well as intellectual reasons that, you know, McLuhan, uh, you know, basically publishers say, listen, uh, why don't you you wrote an academic book on. Media studies. Can you tell us what you're about in a simpler, different, more vibrant form? And boy, howdy, was Marshall McLuhan ready for that opportunity? So what we have, and the medium is the massage, is an attempt to condense, to sell, to brand uh, McLuhanite ideas. But also, I think you know it's not simply a sellout, although spreading. His message about the Mass Age through the instruments of the Mass Age is definitely what's on McLuhan's mind. But um I would argue it's not a betrayal at all. It's you know, um, that in many ways it is a clarification and a kind of con- you know, a wonderful condensation of of his major ideas. You know, I think if I think, think the title, if you wanted to talk I, about I think that's fair, but I
0: him. I think I think it's it's interesting because you know. He's a very careful writer, and in the interviews that I've read, um, he's he's very careful to remain agnostic. He, I, I think, his goal is not to advocate for one thing or another. And so, the idea that he's doing this for, um, I still see this as an academic text. And what's yes. what's what's funny about it is there's. A way of looking at this that says, "Well, he's being playful with his approach." And I'm I'm sorry, nothing about Saint Marshall says that there's a terribly uh, acute or active sense of humor about the man. I take him as a very serious person, to be quite frank with you. Mm. Um, and so, as I see this, I think that what he's doing, and you had said this, he's looking for, or he's found another way to have an academic discussion. But to do it in, yes, right, right, in less right, academic right. terms. And yeah, is a, a great way of putting it. And, and the the fun thing about this is, you know, you, you look at the the title, uh, the the idea of, of um, there's a couple things that jump out to me with the title. Um, massage is is the is, is the obvious one, right? And the idea that a massage is uh, you know, he he makes the argument that the, the media work us over, that they sort of um make us passive or more relaxed in our acceptance. Of 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 media's intentions, um, the argument about massage being mass age. This idea that it is the definition of the age. What, what was interesting to me as you were talking is the you know the use is the medium is it is the message it is the mass age it is this ubiquitous presence which defines everything, and so in, in looking at that. You know, the first, I guess what I'm saying is, I look at this idea of just sort of totality and the idea that this is a commercial endeavor. It's also very much an academic endeavor, but it's also, it it can walk that line without being unfaithful to either because it's everything all at once. And I think that's his point. Like, in a way, this book is the perfect vehicle to make the argument that. Uh, what, what does he say uh, right after the title? All media work us over completely, right? This idea that we are just—it's—it's it's everywhere, and there is there is—it it defines things, it shapes things, and it positions us, and it manipulates us in a way to make us passive and accepting. Like there, there's there's it's it's complete
1: accepting of what Michael accepting. I'm going to try to answer that. Uh, or rather I'm gonna ask you a question uh, about it. Accepting of what? Is it to be, uh, is media, is the implication that media is working us over in order to be more accepting of the content of the media message? What exactly is the massage getting at or making it more pliable or more willing to accept, do you think?
0: Remember the idea that content and message are two discrete things doesn't work here, right? Yeah, his no, argument he
1: wants to contest that, right? Yeah. His,
0: his argument is that, again, to go back to the pun, the medium is the message, right? It like the, the shape yeah. of the media, or excuse me, yeah, the shape of the media is the message that we are. And I think this is the wonderful, like he did. This is the first time I looked at this book, I wasn't terribly enthralled. I was like, okay, this is sort of uh, avant garde pedantic sort of you're, you're, you're showing off. Um, it's really quite powerful. And I, I think that what are we being accepting of? Well, we're being accepting of the advertising, but that's the point of advertising. We're being accepting of the shape and the form of media, which as we see shortly, shapes our institutions. It defines the boundaries of our lives. In many ways, it without shapes us
1: wearing it without us being fully aware of that. Yeah. So, so the argument, say, for
0: example, right? that this is a product, or excuse me, a prosthetic or an extension, right? That we willingly wear the prosthetic because we don't have a choice, right? That it yeah. is an extension of us. We can't function effectively without this. And what we see, and I, I'm going to stop after this, but we what we see is that in the institutions that have failed to keep up with the advance and development of media, we have failure. And hmm. so there's 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 the other side of this argument. You are accepting of the media. You are accepting of the message because this is the mass age in which you exist.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And, 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 and if it's working you, on you, it's massaging. It, 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 you, you, you cannot exempt yourself from it. As an individual, you can't exempt yourself from it. But the institutions that shape our world—so he talks about government, he talks about family, he talks about employment—all of these things that don't keep up with the shaping that the media enforces fail us, or mm-hmm. they fit—not fa- fail us, but they fail to perform properly because well, they like- are they're anachronisms
1: that that's an important characterization we're going to get over and over again. I think that uh, you just sort of that's a nice summary of his institutional critique, his critique of institutions, that the problem with institutions is they're antedated or archaic in relation specific relation to media, which is accelerating all these changes and in the institutions, there's this huge lag time. there's mm-hmm. a lag time. Um, Michael, I know you want to go uh because we talked about this i know you want to go back to near the beginning to page nine in the text but something you said i wanted to flag and just quick make a quick insert um because of something you said that was really important and you didn't elaborate and i wanted to have um uh, marshall McLuhan elaborate on because i think it's a it will be, even though it's kind of in the middle of the portion of the book that we're going to talk about today. I think this, this statement in your statement and McCluhan's statement on this, in this particular regard is a kind of crucial beginning point for, for discussion of his book. So you talked about McLuhan's agnosticism regarding media. Now I take, now tell me if I'm wrong, but I take, I take you to mean by that phrase that he is that, and 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 you rightly said this is something that he often refers to. Refers to this is a common trope or a common rhetorical term that he uh, comes up that he will always produce when asked, because uh, in interview situations, especially at the time. Uh, it was a time when people were as anxious about the effects of television, especially on young minds, right, on, on children, when they were as anxious about the effects psycho- effects on uh, child psychology from exposure to television, prolonged exposure to television programming, uh, when people were as anxious about that as they are now about the effects of social media on young minds and right. uh, bodies. Okay. Okay. So and, and in, so when prompted anxiously by um, uh, by interviewers to take a stand, and this is what I, I take you to mean by his agnosticism, when, when prompted to take a stand, when pushed to take a stand about, well, is television any good? Is technology a good thing or a bad thing? Tell us. Mm-hmm. He really program. I mean, this is McLuhan's foundational point. That's why, I'm, even though it's something that comes up in the middle of the text, or at least the middle of the part of the text we're reading today, talking about today. I think actually you're right to flag it and say this, this got to be kind of at the head of our discussion. Um, there is something like a programmatic slash systematic refusal to take a stand on whether media is good or bad going back to what you said in the title, I think his basic approach
0: is media is neither well, good nor bad. Oh, you it disagree? is No, no, no. I, I I emphatically agree, but it's I want to add something to it. Yes, sir. Right? What he does, and I think it was the Playboy interview that he did where he's pressed to say, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? And his response is essentially, it's a thing. i can't say if it's good or bad and what's interesting about it and i'm this is uh, you may disagree with this but i don't think that so first of all i think he takes his argument very seriously this is not uh intellectual play for him this i i think he he sees this as a as a real thing Mm -hmm. he's not trying out a theory if he is in a position to say well i think it's good or i think it's bad what he's done in making us or what he would be doing in making a statement like that is exempting himself. We talked about this with Stiegler, or excuse me, with law and with Latour and with actor network theory about decentering human subjectivity in actor network theory. If the medium is the mass age, if the medium is the massage, if the medium is the message, mm-hmm. then trying to assign a value to it
1: mm-hmm.
0: is to assert a position outside of media to value it and that's mm-hmm. an impossibility right. so in a way it's it's one thing to say well okay so he's he's agnostic and I, I said that and i i stand by it but at the same time he can't be anything else if media is in fact the mass age if this is a state of being then you can't step outside of that because it's not a state of being it is the state of being mm-hmm. and that's what he says right the medium is the Massage, the message, the message.
1: Well, I think you you've gone on to make a kind of ontological point. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that media is a has a essence or a being, rather, media has a being, and in a sense, he refuses to exempt himself from being part of the network.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, you,
1: know, <laughs> you know, if to make a judgment to stand outside media. And say, well, that's bad. It's over there. That that's a fallacy according to a system that's contradicting his system. Absolutely. Um, I, I I'm I'm just going to point to this on page 25. And then I know you wanted to go someplace closer to the beginning, but I think this is also it's it's important what happens uh, kind of midway through the first part of the text. Um, as I mentioned before, as we talked about before, this is a kind of this is a word picture book, right? A word image book. Um, and on page 25, we have a dramatic, you know, against, we have white font, I'll describe it to viewers. Um, it's black uh, black background, white font on black background, very dramatic. And there's just one sentence and the one sentence sort of proceeds, what is it, uh, vertically down the page. And it takes up the whole page, this one sentence. And here's the sentence. And I think it um, it's related to what you were just talking about. It's another version of um, McLuhan's studied programmatic refusal to deliver a final verdict on media or technology uh, because it's impossible to stand outside the system. Likewise, he wants to say, I don't want to believe, I don't want what I'm taking to be, I don't want what I'm doing to be taken as either a celebration or as doomsday talk. Because both those rhetorical registers are out of place when we're talking about something as complex as technological being and networks. So here's the sentence. There is absolutely no inevitability as long to anything, right? That's that's open ended. There is absolutely no inevitability, as long as there is a willingness to contemplate what is happening. Now, Mike, uh, Doctor Repici, Michael, do you want to take a quick stab at what's going on here? What's this caution mean?
0: Um, so and, mm-hmm. I I have this sentence, uh, this page. Uh, flagged and fairly heavily annotated. I have more words than the page does to say about this. So Please? um I have a question for you oh. about Oh, this. no,
1: I didn't expect this. Now and, I, I fell into your trap.
0: No, no, no. Far <laughs> from it. But I, I think that I want to return to this. Perhaps this is a good okay. ending right. spot. This is a good landing spot as opposed to a starting point. And uh, the reason, to go but, else, but I'm going to, I'm going to, te- I'm going to tease my response to it. Okay. I don't see this the way you see it. I don't think. Oh, really? I don't think. Oh, really? Yeah. So inevitability to me mm-hmm. is still a neutral term, right? So it just means that something is. Preordained or it is ordained. We this is a thing that will happen if something is never. But he's not saying good or bad. It simply means things will follow a course. And so to me, I look at this as him saying, I'm gonna refer there's no there there, there is no room for randomness if we fail to contemplate, if we flip this sentence around, right? So he says there's no inevitability as long as there's a willingness to contemplate. The question I have for this is: What happens hmm. when we do fail to contemplate? Does that create an inevitability? And if so, what might that inevitability be? Oh,
1: well, that's interesting.
0: And I, uh-huh. I think that there are some tea leaves sprinkled throughout here. Again, I'm not saying he's picking a side, but I think that there's a there's an interesting set of questions that that I think his that that he raises here that lead us to this question. So, um. Let's let's come back to that. So
1: that's all you want to say about this for the moment.
0: So do you, you have a thought on it? Where, where, else? What's
1: that? Well, I, I mean, I have to say I'm a little puzzled. Can I do that? Can I teach? Oh, sure. That? Sure. Um I'm a little puzzled by your reading of inevitability. And you were saying it's neutral. It sounds like I I mean I'm seeing a I'm seeing a positive value there that he seems to be cautioning us. I don't know. I, I don't. Here's my reading of it, and I, okay.
0: I guess my puzzlement is If you give me your reading now, that gives me ample time to back out and find a way to disavow <laughs> no, what no, I just no, said. No, I don't by want the time you to do done. that.
1: What I'm puzzling about is not so much your reading of it, but I'm puzzling whether or not you feel that you, whether your reading um, is is sounds like you have a positive, I'm totally rambling here. Why don't I tell you what I think it means? And then you'll tell me later on whether or not you think I'm off base. So what I think is going on just in that first part of this sentence, I can't believe we are such English majors. What are we doing here? We're We're quibbling over five. This is is why the governor wants to get rid of English departments. And, you know, we're going to have to, (laughs) we're going to have to, uh, um, and we're going to have to sort of behave ourselves for the rest of our <laughs> the rest of this uh, podcast <laughs> in order uh, in order to keep on uh, oh. keep on track. But anyway, um, what I thought is going on here in those first couple words is that he's warning us against an attempt uh, against what he feels is our knee jerk. Tendency to accept. Technology I agree.
0: Change. i agree
1: all right okay and i was puzzled because i thought you were thinking there was something else going on there but we're agreed that he is making a warning of some sort
0: right but i'm gonna say i think that he's fully capable of issuing a warning not as a hey bad things happen i just as a state of cause and effect and i think he's willing to say
1: what's that color me intrigued okay we'll, we'll return to this and i'm color me intrigued. i see what you're doing okay, okay. so we, let's we put a pin in it as they say we're going to put a pin in that
0: and go back yes and may god strike us if we lose track of the pin so <laughs> um this is a difficult discussion to have well this is a poor medium for discussing a picture book so yeah. i yeah. think that yeah um yeah, we- we're having but that's, to
1: describe work, but we're having to describe
0: in words pictures and, so, and what
1: would McLuhan think he would be he would be hating on this I think right now
0: yeah I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't think this is this is what he intended but mm-hmm. you know that's too bad. That's yeah, um too bad. so I wanna I have a question about what he's done uh on you know dear listener if you'll turn to page nine you'll know where I'm going but I, I think before then just to give the outline the the layout of the book excuse me Sure. The first page just says, good morning with an exclamation point, And it has a picture of an egg on a plate with some sort of branding on the egg. The second picture that we have is uh, the mass age. And it's got a man with his hand. It, it's, it's a picture of a hand behind the ear, like we're listening to something, but it's very dark and obscured. You know, th- there are a series of pictures that correspond or extend arguments that he's making in small textual blurbs that sit by the picture. So if we look at the first one, for example, good morning with the egg and the branding, right? My interpretation, this is, hey, egg for breakfast. This is great, but it is a branded embryo. We come into this. There is no escaping it. You're about to consume this. Hi, happy you. This is every day.
1: It's not an egg. It's a mediated image of an egg.
0: Fair. Okay. Right. Thank you. Right. right. So I, I don't I I don't I'm not gonna try and go through every image, right? But I want to just say that is sort of the form of this. So the first page that actually has text, his argument laid out, has a puzzling one for me. And so I want to read okay. um a couple of sections of this that I think make my question about this for you. And this is a genuine question. I'm not, I'm not trying to set a particular argument
1: this is another trap this is another repeaty trap they I all are careful. okay
0: so he says and i'm, I'm going to jump about paragraph to paragraph here the no, medium yeah. or process of our time electronic technology is reshaping and restructuring patterns of social interdependence skips mm-hmm. down societies have always been shaped more by the nature of media by which men communicate than by the content of the communication so here he's sort of re you know picking up the media is the the medium is the message right the idea that these are shaped he says it is impossible to understand social and cultural changes without a knowledge of the workings of media in other words if we don't understand how we are being massaged how we are being worked over indeed it's impossible to understand or recognize how it's changing us or what it's doing to us right
1: right right
0: little more innumerable confusions and a profound feeling of despair inevitably emerge in periods of great technological and cultural transitions. Our, quote, age of anxiety, unquote, is in part the result of trying to do today's job with yesterday's tools, with yesterday's concepts. Okay, so...
1: And on the top of that page, you want to draw
0: attention to... Yeah, so what we have on the top of the page is a woman's left hand she has very pretty manicured nails. Seems like there's a wedding ring on the hand. Yes. It's angled slightly to the left as if she's showing off her hand or the ring. Mm-hmm. And underneath it, the caption says
1: Nothing 30, about rings, nothing about 30 man. million nothing toy trucks
0: were bought in the US in 1966. Right. What is this? because I understand the egg I understand the ear I understand the and, and you know the images correspond fairly clearly to various arguments that he's making or extend mm-hmm. arguments that he's making mm-hmm. what's your take on this
1: what okay uh because
0: I have an I idea think- but I don't know that it's right I'm sorry
1: no no go ahead. Do you, no, want, no, do that's you it. want to? I just, go I have first? an idea
0: but no no I don't want to go first. I absolutely.
1: Well, I'll take I I think you picked uh and we were talking about this before uh we started uh, doing whatever it is we're doing recording I guess is the word digital recording. Um I think this is one of the puzzle I mean there are many puzzling images in the book and I and I think we have to say to listeners and prospective readers of this book that there is I mean uh You mentioned the word avant-garde. There isn't, um, uh, McLuhan was very influenced by the visual modernist avant-garde. There's a wonderful new book uh, called Distant Early Warning by Alex Mm Kitnick that is uh, all about and and, uh, tries to make a relation, uh, tries to relate directly, uh, relate or connect McLuhan directly to the visual artists of the 1960s and saying that there was a similar kind of, for example, play with advertising going on in pop art images, but not just in pop art uh, artists uh, of the day, of the 1960s, not just that. but So he is thinking, so uh, one of the things about paintings and images, uh, especially pop art images, is that the meaning is is not a singular thing. So I think, that's something fair to say about all the images in the book, that he wants you to puzzle out the connection. And it's not always clear, immediately clear, uh, what the connection between the words and images are. And in fact, I don't know, I think in this image, with this puzzling image, in, in particular, I think that, you know, I'm gonna give you one idea of what I think it means, but you're probably gonna have a different one. And I don't know, if there's a, a an obvious, easy way for us to police the difference, and for for me to tell you you're wrong, and for you to tell me I'm wrong, but here's my reading of it: that the caption 30 million toy trucks were bought in the U.S. in 1966." So this is a collage. This is a moder- so first off, I'll say what you have here is a collage, and by collage I mean that it's not enough to see the words and then look at the picture. And the words are not meant to explain the picture. The words are meant to add some friction to the image and mess up your perception, twist your perception of the image. So the caption is very straightforward. It's about commerce. Mm -hmm. It's a data information about commerce. Mm -hmm. We mass produce in America and consume toy trucks like nobody's business. And then this is juxtaposed with a seemingly, and this is the emphasis I would put, a seemingly organic natural image of a woman's beautiful manicured hands with an elegant piece of jewelry. And I think McLuhan's point is that the hand has been turned into an advertisement uh, and into a brand, and into a slogan, and into something as inorganic, as something as thoroughly commodified as the 30 million toy trucks that were bought and sold in the U.S. Okay, So I see this as a kind of reminder that what we think is nature is actually, um, I'm not going to say cyborg, that's too much anticipating a later argument, But what looks now, in a way, that image, Michael, is like the image, I read it, as being similar to the image that you mentioned, opens up the book. It's an egg, it's breakfast, but wait, this egg has a label on it. There's something about this egg that says it's part of the mediated world. Likewise, there's a hand here, but it's not just a hand. It could be an advertisement for a wedding ring. It could be an advertisement for a particular kind of nail polish. And then you have the then you have the consumer in, the the um, uh, consumer data at the bottom, and I think he's trying to I think the point of that is they they want to tell you the natural world that you think is natural is not so natural.
0: Okay, so I I I I have a question for you about this. I see the the consumer aspect here. It, it reeks of it, right? And on one hand. We've got the caption which says 30 million toy trucks, right? We buy, we make a hell of a lot of toy trucks. A this is consumption. On the flip side, what could be further away from toy trucks than beautiful nails and a wedding ring? And it doesn't matter which we're arguing for here. The fact is that in one image, we have a, we run the entire gamut of things we could possibly want, right? Oh, beautiful yeah, hand, yeah. wedding. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is there a possible Marxist argument in here? Um,
1: well, remember that Marx really loved Adam Smith. I mean, so like there's...
0: there's um... Because if you tie this idea of consumption and you look at this in terms of the toy truck, this mm-hmm. is common... This is.
1: Can you let me finish my sentence? Oh, by all means, before no, I'm eager to hear your explanation. But if I just say, uh, I can imagine any Marxist listeners to this podcast who just want to kill me right now because I open a sentence by saying that Marx approves of Adam Smith, and if I I don't want to let that. Oh, I don't don't want to let that hang. No, especially Uh, now that.
0: (laughs) <laughs> now that we can be reached via email that's a very bad thing yeah, so go ahead yeah, So
1: le- let me just finish the thought here which is and th- so i i was working toward a uh, toward an answer to your direct question and so i'll just i w- i don't want to take up too much airtime but i just want to finish the thought the thought is um there's definitely a presentation of capitalism here you're is it marxist I don't know. Uh, At some points, there seems to be a critique. I mean, a discussion of capitalism and how it works is what Adam Smith provided. Marx was very uh, critical, but also used Adam Smith's descriptions of the capitalist division of labor and thought that was fair game. So, you know, there's a difference between a description of capitalism and a criticism of it. Marx is both a description, unlike Adam Smith, Marx is both a description of capitalism and a critique of it. And, you know, I think it's a complex answer. I don't know if I can give you a yes or no answer about where McLuhan fits on this. Partly, and I mentioned this because we have been talking about agnosticism. Uh Part of his agnosticism means that He is more like Adam Smith than he is Karl Marx in the sense that he is very interested in this book and also in the book prior, Understanding Mm -hmm. Media, in describing how systems work more than in criticism.
0: I think that's a good answer. And so the way I'm reading this now is there's a very large, unexplained gap between the idea of 30 million toy trucks and finely manicured nails and a diamond ring. Mm -hmm. But he says, again, it's impossible to understand the social and cultural changes without a knowledge of the working media. Mm -hmm. His argument in the coming pages is that our institutions have failed to prepare us for this, Mm -hmm. that we reading this book probably don't understand media. And so- And don't even think or care to. Exactly. Right? So right. your response to this is likely, well, you know, uh, what the hell is this? And you move on. But then he says, a profound feeling of despair inevitably emerges the periods of great technological and cultural transitions. Anxiety is in great part resolved trying to do today's job with yesterday's tools and yesterday's concepts. Mm-hmm. His argument is that we're stuck with yesterday's tools and concepts. And we look at this and what we see is a very broad range mm-hmm. of desire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: None of which makes sense. Mm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, agreed.
0: All right, that's my stab at under explaining the hand in the toy trucks. So I got nothing yeah. to right.
1: Yeah. So you're you are you are saying, well, I I I think you added a really interesting layer to what we're talking about. So if I understand you, you're <laughs> saying that the that that's a really aptly placed juxtaposition of word and image in that we're kind of confused what it means. And you're saying that he kind of realizes that and our inability to decode is his the point. relation is his point.
0: Yeah. I think so. I like that. I like okay. That. Well, good. We're going to say Barry and Mike one Marshall. I don't know what, um, <laughs> where else do you want to go with this? There's there's to me, the other thing that I thought was really fascinating here was Uh, A few pages forward, he starts this section uh, each in two-page increments where we have text and an image, text and an image, text Mm -hmm. and an image. And he goes, the first one is you, then your family, then your neighborhood, then your education, then your job, then your government, then the others. And Mm -hmm. it's like he's progressing from the center out. Talking about all of the constructions mm-hmm. uh, upon which we rely for, you know, a sense of place, a sense of meaning and a sense of security. Mm-hmm. Um, would you, this, do you want to any of these tickle your fancy in particular?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think we should do a little bit of McLuhan E. Chang. I'm going to pick a page and we're going to talk about it. All right. Um. And I'm going to ask you what's going on. And I, 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 or rather, I'll ask for your comment. Okay. I'll ask for your take and your comment. I guess let's be more specific. I want to be more specific in my directives, you know, because we want to. We want to be as focused as possible. So I'm going to pick a page at random in the McClooney chain. And I'm going to read a little bit of it. And then I'm gonna ask for your comment slash takeaway. Like what what do you take away? And what do you think the reader should take away from this? Gotcha. Uh, the, from the from this section. And you're right. This whole section, I guess roughly between what is it? Uh starting with the family, your 12, family. Right. 14. Yeah. Okay. So 12 through you. through 20, right? To, right. Through 24.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Starting with you. Yeah. On 12 going to 24. Uh, it seems to form a unit within the larger unit, and there seem to be these. It's kind of this interesting. Speaking of, it's almost like a, like these are short bil- uh, film segments or video segments that interrupt the. Uh, you know, they they have a totality to themselves. They're short, but right. they have a totality. Okay, so and I'm it's worth it's
0: worth it's worth noting that this this section ends with our discussion from earlier about inevitability. Indeed. So, indeed, here we indeed go. Indeed so,
1: um, now from what we were saying earlier, I think you you wanted to tie in this whole section uh, to McLuhan's take on institutions and their shortcomings and their shortfalls.
0: Well, I think he's making a series of connected uh-huh. arguments. I don't think that any of these are outside the others. I think that, that yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Right. Like,
1: it, as a whole, you think there's an argument I do. about I institutions here. So we're, we'll, 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 we'll return to that, but let's look at a discrete part of it. Okay. And uh, I want you to read with me, uh, page 22. And I want to tell you, I want to ask for your response slash takeaway.
0: The government, uh, we're going, uh, this okay. Is headed,
1: 22, this is a section called your government. Uh, it's hard to find out, you know, in, in case we stumble or fall, dear listener, uh, you should know that. One of the effects of the word picture um, of the hybrid form of this book is that sometimes it's hard to figure out where the F and page numbers are. So sometimes we're, sometimes we're struggling, but I think we're on the right page. You're government, right? Yep. Okay, nose counting, a cherished part of the 18th century fragmentation process has rapidly become a cumbersome and ineffectual form of social assessment. The public, in the sense of great consensus, is fit of separate and distinct viewpoints, is finished. Today, the mass audience can be used as a creative participating force. Okay, the real germ of this is that second, those three sentences that form the second paragraph and the end the section. Okay, now well, I'll read it briefly and ask for your takeaway. A new form of politics, and interestingly enough, He has politics in quote mark in scare quotes is emerging, and in ways we haven't yet noticed, the living room has become a voting booth. Participation via television in freedom marches, in war, in revolution, pollution, and other events is changing everything.
0: Comments takeaway? Sure. So i think that let's start okay so the public in the sense of a great consensus of separate and distinct viewpoints is finished he i think he's making the argument here that we have made the shift from individuals with individual perspectives or even clans with consistent perspectives to a uniform presence or a uniform existence. And this I, I think is consistent with this idea, you know, television in the house, right? That everybody gets the same message. I think bingo, Dr. Rapici. Bingo. Oh, I like bingo. Bingo <laughs> is good. So uh to deny that uh, the mass audience can be used as a creative participating force. It is instead merely given packages of passive entertainment. So we have been anesthetized we have been is that too strong uh no it it, i don't think it's too strong i was
1: shaking my head a little bit because um he seems in that passage to be almost condemning television and usually he's trying to scrupulously avoid
0: well look 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 what he says next though politics offers yesterday's answers to today's questions This is referring back to the part that opens this section, right? The government still engaged in, right? Nose counting has become cumbersome, ineffectual. The government is functioning with yesterday's tools. And what has happened is we have become sort of this mass blob of uniform perspective because of what media has done, and I don't think he's saying it's good or bad. I think you can make the argument that hey, this is a great way. To, this is a great way to get consensus, right? We can get, we we can agree on something. That's all it took. Um, <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I mean, I do think that's an important. You know, I'm getting back to the uh, turn back a second for the Marx, um, the Marx Adam Smith um, dichotomy. I think that's actually, uh, I think we may have stumbled on a helpful way of thinking about the book. He is trying to, a lot of this could be criticism, maybe it veers on criticism, but he always wants, or it could be read that way or interpreted that way. But in general, what he's trying to do is describe because he believes we're not able to describe what really is happening.
0: Well, here's I think here's the key line here. The living room has become a voting booth. We're not fully passive. We're just uniform. We're right? right. What we watch because we can watch Channel A, we can watch Channel B. And this isn't to be confused with our current conception of sitting in front of a screen where we have 5 billion different Ultimate streaming choices. options, yeah. right? Yeah, right. The, but but can you, you can watch this, you can watch that, or you could probably turn it off. And we're not going to turn it off because it's in our homes. But what our, our our choices have been simplified, but there is still a choice. And that choice is voting. Do you watch channel A or do you watch channel B? So it's not that we are rendered completely ineffective and passive it's that our choices in many ways are defined for us but we still have the option to choose and we do based on what we watch in our living room participation via television and freedom marches war revolution pollution and other events is changing everything so there is still an effect and he's not saying good or bad he's just saying look the way that we are represented is different the way that we speak out is defined by the media, and um, it's going. It, it's going to have a knock on effect. How do you explain the presence of American Gothic sitting opposite this pa- this passage?
1: Uh, this seems to be the the that that's how this written section fits into the larger overarching theme of the section that you identify. So. What we have on the left side of the page, on on the one side of the the two pages column, is the argument, which is the game's changed. We Mm -hmm. haven't realized it. But television, I'm gonna use, you're gonna be proud of me for this, uh, Dr. Rupiji. I wanna use network theory. So my quick takeaway on this passage, and, and I think this is true of all this section here, is It's incredibly prescient. No, he's not describing our world of 50 million options. But he is, in a way, describing our world of, he is describing our media environment nonetheless. So on this page, what he's saying is something has happened and we don't even really realize it. Media, there is no longer Michael Rapici in television or imagining Dr. Rapici, Dr. Falk, and the television all in some room. It is no longer Barry Falk and Mike Rappeachie and the television. Um, it's a network, and the network consume, you know, continue uh, consists of television program, all the viewers, including Dr. Zerpeachy and Dr. Falk. In other words, this is a network event. That's one of the things that's mm-hmm. when you're talking about the uniformity. Yeah. The uniformity is the medium; It is affected by the medium. uh So that's okay. And you asked the question, why is there a picture on the facing page of American Gothic, of the old timey American image? So on the left hand of the column, if you think of this, if you think of the two pages, not as two pages, but as a continuum yes. for the right hand side with, with the left hand side with words, and a right-hand side that has the the Grant Wood, American Gothic uh, reproduction as an illustration. On the left-hand side, you got modernity, or you got the moment described. And the moment that he's described is, you become a network. Now, the public is a network. And that happened because of the intervention of television in the home. So that's that's modernity. That's the contemporary moment. And then what do you have? I mean, it's obvious from that context, and and this is true of this whole mini section, what's there on the right-hand side? The right-hand side is what most of his, what he thinks most of his readers think. You know, where are they mentally? They're still in the American Gothic world, in this rural universe that's depicted on this age. Okay. But modernity, i.e. his contemporary moment of media technology, and networked uh publics. That's that's the reality. Here's an image of the reality, our fantasy image of our reality on the right-hand side. The
0: okay, screen. okay. Um let me give you one that I think will allow us to discuss our pin about inevitability. Um Please. if we jump back, so the, he was just talking about government. If we jump back to to the section he says on education yes. and so this is uh if you're following along at home this is pages 18 and 19. Um, on the left hand side is a paragraph under a heading uh, of your education and on the right hand side is a picture of a circuit board and um, he says there is a world of difference between the modern home environment of integrated electric information and the classroom today's child is attuned to -to up-to-the-minute adult news, inflation, rioting, war, taxes, crime, bathing beauties, and is bewildered when he enters the 19th century environment that still characterizes the educational establishment, where information is scarce but ordered and structured by fragmented, classified patterns, subjects, and schedules. It is naturally an environment much like the factory, set up with its inventories and assembly lines. The child was an invention of the 17th century. He did not exist in, say, Shakespeare's day. He had, up until that time, been merged with the adult world, and there was nothing that could be called childhood in our sense. Today's child is growing up absurd because he lives in two worlds, and neither of them inclines him to grow up. Growing up, that is our new work, and it is total, mere instruction, will not suffice. Yeah, I mean, critique of...
1: The lag time between our educational systems in his perception and the modern world as emblematized. I guess we have the reverse of what I was describing uh, uh, in the you know on the in that later section. Um in that section, the right-hand side of the page of the canvas was dedicated to an image that represented a fantasy of the old days. It's being superposed on reality, modern realities. And the modern reality of television and network uh, uh, personalities, network publics rather, um, that was what was discursively described on the left-hand side of the page. It's reversed in this particular image. You have a little small inset picture of a very charming young gentleman in um, kind of you know, it's a school child, it, it's a school, school child. child, school child. So you have this sort of, you know, uh, it's a very easy to protect, uh, to project uh, uh, on that photograph of the school child, all these characteristics of innocence and organic uh, childhood. And then all of a sudden he confronts us in this case on the right hand side of the canvas with the with modern up to date. You
0: know cyborg technology
1: Mm
0: -hmm. the television circuit board in this but but the argument is still the same right yes i'm just saying like
1: he flipped it visually yes yes the the
0: the, the argument here again though is that our institution in this case education indeed fails us it is not it has not kept pace with technology the circuit board so you have the old tiny child on the left And the circuit board on the right. And the argument here, which I think is really interesting and gets me back to the question of um, contemplation, right, is this idea that our educational institutions are simply not equipped to manage the demand in front of them, as if to say this circuit board has no home. Right, like it will not plug in to what the educational system has. We cannot keep up with where our children need to be, and as a result, we've got this situation where our children are growing up absurd, according to him. Right, like they don't have a spot to be because the existence that their existence outside of the classroom or the home or in the home, excuse me, their existence outside the classroom is madly accelerated, certainly not a childish exactly, place, exactly. but the educational system has no place for children either. It's a factory. It's an assembly line that does not cater to what a child thinks or how a child thinks or processes. Mm-hmm. So essentially we've got ex- kids that are accelerated beyond the classroom, but without a place to be. And so again, a case where our institutions lag behind because I think these are uh, sort of legacy institutions that can't account for, for, for new media and the influence of new media. So the question I have to you, if you're okay with this, I want to jump back to the quote mm-hmm. on page 25. There is absolutely no inevitability as mm-hmm. long as there are willingness to contemplate what is happening. Mm-hmm. So I got to thinking about my experience with my students who are certainly children of a media saturated world mm-hmm. and i find that they fall into two camps if i'm going to speak broadly right there are students that are curious and uh you know engaged but there is a version of student who has been completely i don't know how to say this pacified right they are content to stare at what their phone offers them they are willing to click on whatever the next thing that the algorithm provides them mm-hmm. their curiosity has been blunted mm-hmm. and so i think that in a way this is a sign of the time this is the result of living in an in in an, in an environment. Where media and technology have provided a lot of the answers for us and relieved, have changed the learning environment, right? I have a paper to write, AI is going to write it for me. Mm -hmm. I have a question that I have to answer, not going to think about it, I'm going to Google it, right? This goes back to Mm -hmm. Nicholas Carr wrote the the essay Is Google Making Us Stupid? I think it was in the 90s, right? There's been uh, I think it's from the book that, uh, anyways, th- there's this question that I have about our willingness to contemplate. And if we look at the line here, there's absolutely no inevitability as long as there are willingness to contemplate what is happening. What is the inverse yes. of that? There is an inevitability if our willingness if to contemplate. Right. And so what's happening if our educational institutions are not equipped to provide for the students that they are supposed to serve are we enabling them to think are we encouraging them to think or are we simply putting them on an assembly line where this is the process thank you this is the process thank you this is the process thank you if that's the case right if we are not encouraging our students to think if our government is functioning along sort of Uh, a binary set of options we have option a and we have option b what's your vote which channel do you want to watch Mm -hmm. which quite frankly is a frightening synopsis of where we are politically now right if this is the case then there is inevitability Mm -hmm. now
1: Mm
0: -hmm. i don't again i'm i I don't think he takes a side here because i don't think he needs to take a side i think he can simply say look if we contemplate if we are willing to think Mm -hmm. then anything is possible However, if we fall if we fall in line with the institutions that have not kept up with the media environment, then there are inevitable outcomes
1: agree agreed I mean that and and you know you talked about his seriousness I slightly disagree with you about or it's not really a disagreement I I you you, you seem to push against my description of this book and of McLuhan is being playful now um, because you say, well, there's a lot of seriousness here. There is indeed a lot of seriousness, but I do think that McLuhan's McLuhan is a thinker. And then particularly in this book, really what we're seeing is, I mean, his seriousness is intermingled with a lot of playfulness and vice versa. So you never get simple play. I would agree with you there. Yeah. But, uh, um, but you never just get seriousness, period. I would oh, say.
0: no, let me, let me, let me. I, I agree with you. I think if you're going to take close up pictures of toes. Yeah, there's,
1: you're, there's, you're, there's, you're,
0: you're having, yeah. you're, you're having some fun. Well, yeah, but that, but it's that was not. Only con- yeah, it, but it, it, I'm it, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry, but it's not. I want to say it's an. I feel like it's an ironic playfulness.
1: Oh, very much, very much, total agreement. Uh, and also, the only the only concession I wanted to hear you make, you made, which is that it's an ad mixture, and their irony is actually that's even better word to use. I would say everything here is ironized. That's part of the effect of the play. But I wanted to get to your point. But now here's one point that I was, I was, I was, I was going to concede to your general description before now, you nuanced it, but your general description about his seriousness of purpose. I think that he is deadly serious about one thing and you put your finger on it. He's deadly serious about the idea that if we don't contemplate, and here he does sound a little bit like a a moralist. Mm -hmm. I do think he feels that danger, there is some danger in inevitability, and for sure, if you do not contemplate the new, if you do not ponder the true reality, nature of the reality that is around us, that you're participating in, you're partaking in, then you are delivered over. You are you're going to uh, face some inevitable consequences, and the inevitability itself might be dangerous so and he's serious about that it's a warning
0: well i i think this connects back to this is funny this is this has worked out and in, 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 well if we go back to the page with our hand and our 30 million toy trucks he says innumerable confusions and a profound feeling of despair inevitably emerge in periods of great technological and cultural transition yeah. our age of anxiety is in great part the result of trying to do today's job with yesterday's tools if we stay in this rut in that rut yeah then we are going to fight. Yeah. and I, again but i but i, I still think this that, that my 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 position holds in the sense that he's not saying that the anxiety that we feel is bad or misplaced it simply is if this then that
1: yeah i agree, I'd agree. okay
0: well yeah, there I agree. you
1: should we segue, though, into uh, you had an argument. Oh, so we've been t- trying to describe this mid to late section uh, and we we sort of arbitrage. We're going to have another. We kind of picked a halfway point in the book mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to end this episode with. So we're around, roughly on page 50 or so of the book. And there's about 50 pages more. Couple different arguments in those fifty pages. We don't know exactly how we're going to cover it. Let's get back to this episode, shall we? Um, we've been talking about a mini section in our reading today, where there is this juxtaposition that we've been talking about between the na- the true re- nature of media reality, uh, the media environment, a what he believes is an accurate description of our media environment, and our fantasies about our reality. And he's getting at that in this section that we've been trying to provide a gloss to. Now, uh, and you were saying that it all amounts in these various, in these these snapshots of your government, your job, your family. They're all, there seems to be a kind of, McLuhan's aim seemed to be to confront us with the ways in which our institutions have failed to alert us or to accommodate the new nature of a media determined reality. Right. Okay. So in the final section of, of the part that we're talking about today at the end of the part one of um, the medium is a massage. You were talking, I'm I'm gesturing back to something we talked about at the beginning of the, you know, right before we started recording, Mm -hmm. you were saying there is a fundamental fact that he gestures to after this little section that the institutions are failing to account for. So I'm going to give a word summary of the images, mostly the images that follow. And then I want to hear Dr. Rapici's expert gloss of what's going on in this section that immediately follows the section we've been discussing. So what happens after... Page twenty-five. There is absolutely no inevitability as long, et cetera. Uh, all of a sudden, we're confronted with pictures, microscopic, not very attractive pictures. Can I, can I add that? Kind of? uh, not very attractive yeah. pictures of, you know, I'm not a foot person, so maybe I, I was never born. I was I'm never gonna... ready. I was not ready for this book. Yeah. Like, Do like... we have a micro picture of a uh, it Looks now. like a pinky pinky uh on, on a foot um, and a toenail and then we have an even larger reproduction enlargement of a foot uh, of a foot of a toe uh but it is captioned the wheel and then we turn the page and we see uh as if it were a film we see or this were 2001 a space odyssey and all of a sudden the bone thrown in the air becomes the uh, the space, uh, the space and state, the circling space station. We have the sentence is the sentence caption that links to two pages is the wheel is an extension of the foot. And we are first shown or depicted a picture of a big toe, really big picture of a big toe. And then all of a sudden, on the facing pa- next page, we're shown a kind of, you know, close up of a car wheel, automobile wheel. And then, if we turn the page yet again, we have a two-page section. At the top of the two pages, we have the phrase spelled out: "The book," and we have a hand opening a book, much like my hand and your hand is opening the book.
0: But I think it's but box. but it's interesting. The pages of the book are blank. The pages of the book are blank.
1: And then all of a sudden, we have the rest of the sentence that began on the facing page on the next page. The book is an extension of the eye. And of course, we have a close-up of the eye. And then finally, we have a picture, we have a juxtaposition. The caption on the two pages, the top of the pages are, is, clothing, an extension of the skin. Underneath it seems to be a fully nude woman. And then if I turn the page yet again, we have this sentence or this series of sentences, two sentences, electric circuitry, an extension of the central nervous system. When these ratios change, men change. Okay. What's going on here and how does this section words and pictures dr repeaching how's it relating to what we've just talked about those preceding pages
0: so the argument before this was that our institutions have failed to keep up with our media environment with our technological realities these are a series of situations arguing that essentially we have become cyborgs, right? That we have merged with our technology, and I think it's interesting because I didn't want to seem like I was just sort of, um, you know, the the images of the toes, for example, are quite ugly, and we know, thanks to our earlier picture, that Marshall McLuhan had access to well manicured nails, but he gave us ugly. He doesn't nails. show us that. Yeah, and. So, the argument here is that not only is the human form sort of ugly on its own, it's made whole by the by by the wheel.
1: It needs improvement. It or needs improvement. Beautification
0: by technology. the the book the the book is empty, the eye. So in that case, technology completes us completes the eye. the second one, the book, which is empty, is an extension of the eye. the eye, yeah. The, the, the book needs the eye in this case clothing an extension of the skin this is not you, you mentioned it's it's a nude woman but it is not a a, a provocative picture or no no no, it, no it's, it's no, just it's this not. is sort of this is just the body.
1: body in motion really it's like a body in motion and, and it's a naked body in the sense of it's an unadorned body right and so there's this sense that clothing
0: but is it is an extension, and improvement? But it is a, not. I don't something. want to say it's an improvement. No, because okay, again, that's I'm a sorry. value judgment. I'm sorry. But none of these body, the body is not whole. Mm-hmm. Pictures of the toe are hard to discern at first, quite frankly. They're just indeed you, because they, they're magnified. They, but, the, but they're not complete. You don't get a picture of the foot, you just get the toe. Right. Right. So when the ratios change, men change, right? This is, I think, his argument that as technology continues to infiltrate and become a what a larger prosthetic a more significant prosthetic that our nature our composition is altered as well that we we're not separate we are changed by our technologies that's my take on this how do, how do you read it
1: that's exactly how i read it and i would say you in that last sentence you said if you can repeat it we have a great ending because that last sentence you said You don't know how to repeat it. What did I say? I'll try to repeat it. Uh, I thought what you were saying is that technology in all these various cases has always been acting as an extension of the organic. And uh, I'll keep on using your value, you know, the language of value free extension and augmentation and amplification and acceleration, intensification,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: not necessarily an improvement. But all a lot of other adjectives.
0: But what's interesting but, about but this? Can I, can oh, please, I finish, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. But can I finish just because I thought this was your point here? What you were what you had explained was what the that that simple fact that technology has extended and therefore altered our ratios. Mm-hmm. That in a sentence or two, I think that was just a sentence, that's what all our politics, our home life, our
0: government, our Families, whatever right.
1: has not absorbed. Has Correct. Not Those out, institutions
0: have remained static. Our interactions with technology actually change us. And therein lies the problem or uh, the, the therein lies the moment. Therein lies the issue, right? It's right. the issue right uh, and
1: we have not and unless we and getting back to our favorite page now it's become it's become our favorite page we should i'm gonna change there. the logo <laughs> Too, there is absolutely no i just so, wanted a, a t-shirt I, you know in. i, I, mean, I it's may ready actually to be a t-shirt right it is but i but, I, but, but getting back to uh, getting back to our favorite page um the inevitability or non-inevitability it all hinges on whether or not we are allowed, to, we are willing to contemplate what you just said. Whether we're willing to contemplate the ways in which our sense ratios have been altered by technology. Are we willing to think about it and bring it on and rethink it, education and rethink politics and rethink things according to calibrate along the new ratio? Are we willing to do that or not? A lot of things will inevitably happen. If we don't,
0: I'm going to throw this out and maybe I'm just going to toss it out and we can leave it and we can pick it up when we revisit the book next. If media massages us and makes us open to advertising and Mm -hmm. we'll just, I'll just say the practice of media, if it, if it Mm -hmm. opens us to Mm -hmm. the practice of media Mm -hmm. That seems to me to be an argument against the willful contemplation, because the willful contemplation of this would necessarily be, uh oh, you know, a great question. Uh, to to, to uh, a noetic moment in Stiegler's terms. We would have yeah, to find a I way to step Stigler, out. By the way, when, yeah. Go ahead, so, go, so I I wonder if. Again, I don't I don't I don't think he's say I don't I don't think he's trying to say good or bad. I but I think he's I, I think that implicit in this argument is the fact that when media is doing the job that it's doing, it shapes our choices for us. It doesn't encourage us to think outside of the media box because there is no outside of the media box. It's all encompassing. And so um yeah, I I don't I don't know that this is um
1: Michael, I dare say that you ended your, you dropped a bomb at the end here. I don't think we should linger on it, but maybe we should take it up. Maybe definitely we should take it up next time. Because if I heard you right, you dropped a bomb because you're saying that there is a kind of contradiction that he doesn't seem to be aware of. And the contradiction is this on the one hand, he wants to describe media and right subtitle of this book is the inventory of effects and inventory, right? That's even more impartial, right? I'm just gonna gonna tabulate, I'm gonna list the effects. I'm gonna count, I'm just gonna count. I'm just describing back to the description critique thing. I'm just this is just an inventory, don't shoot the messenger here. Um, but okay, can you have can you open and he's opening in a big way with this? It's his title. Can you open with a declaration that the media is. The massage, uh, and say, okay, that's what media does, and then at the same time, build and develop an argument that says, Hey, I'm just describing stuff that's happening, and it turns out media changes our sense ratios, and we got to contemplate that. Well, how can we contemplate? This is what I thought was the thrust of your argument. Mm -hmm. This seems like you're pointing out a contradiction because it sounds like you're saying, Well um how can i contemplate or not let's is misogyny
0: let's not call it a contradiction yet let's call it a friction attention 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 and we'll
1: beautiful tension.
0: we'll pick it up next time i like that all right barry uh, as always thank you and uh to, to you uh listening To us at home, in your car, wherever you are. Uh, Thank you as well. Again, I want to replug the website. It's up. It's functional. We would love to hear from you. (laughs) The website is www.criticalmediastudies.com. Barry, thank you.
1: I like it. I like it. Take care, Michael. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. To find out more about the show, check out our webpage at criticalmediastudiespodcast.com.